Not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Shiggity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Greetings and salutations, yes. my fine metal friends. Welcome to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. Hi, I'm Chickity Chuck. I am Godless. And uh, this That's is our we weekly all. examination of everything metal, uh, whether it be news topics or uh, just uh, us expressing our disgust with uh, things that are happening in the metal world right now. It is the audio embodiment of the blog that is Metal Sucks. Something right? like that. Or something, yeah. <laughs> Better not Even suggest though. that to them. <laughs> like, <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> don't, don't mean to imply that uh, we are as uh, nearly as witty and or uh, whatever. <laughs> or prolific or... Yeah, true, true, true. We're getting there, though. We're, we're trying, man. We're up to episode number, what, 17 now. 17. So, the numbers ha- are up. and I don't read the comments, but I got to say, almost every time we put up a show... Like I said, I don't read the comments, but there's at least one dude who's like coming to our defense, and I want to thank that one dude. There and there, but yeah, okay, because yeah, sure. them's my people. You know yeah, what I'm saying? It's okay. I, I want people to hate us or love us, one or the other. It's a, it's a, it's all a, it's a love hate thing. It's all good. It's, I can't wait to see the logos that they've made for the show. That, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what what what? Who made logos? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, that, that you heard about that? No, they, they, I didn't hear anything. Metal Sucks has done a call for people to do uh, a logo, new logo for the Metal Sucks podcast. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. It's the ones that we've seen so far. Oh, right? we're in trouble. <laughs> oh, they're so good. There's a, there's a lot of penises on there. Yeah, yeah it's gonna to be okay <laughs> yep uh you kind of imagine what it's going to be into but we, but we i think we're getting uh getting our legs we're starting to do a little bit better i think we you know and uh and the, what happens with anything like a, a new venture like this you just kind of f- fall into it dude if you go back and you listen to because i'm a podcast listener i listen to a lot of smodcast stuff i listen to a lot of kevin smith stuff i listen to mark Marin and and a few of those and you kind of get to, you kind of feel where they went and they've gone all over the place and mm-hmm. and and where those guys no, actually, we're not even close to those guys. We're just a couple of dumbasses talking about metal. Are you kidding? What? Are you kidding? What? I, all right. So, all right. I don't want to even real, say real. that I'm close to what Mark Merrick could do or, listen, or what those listen, guys could do. Listen, listen. All right. We, we, we pale in S- comparison. Subscribe on iTunes, comment, blah, blah, blah. But, all right. So, check us out. This week's interview <laughs> with Bill Steer. Ah, uh, yes. Of Bill the Steer Almighty of Carcass. Carcass is the greatest interview you will ever hear with bill steer of carcass and you know you might have seen some like old interviews with bill steer and you're like yeah it's not very interesting this interview is amazing he tells us so much about the 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 history of carcass how it fell apart what he did between when it fell apart and when they got back together the the the, the, how he came up with the material for the new album all this stuff oh my goodness it is how carcass functions 
How do they function? We got to the bottom of it, and Bill Steer hooked us up. It's it's better than any uh, uh, any interview with uh, with with just about any metal dude I've heard in a long time. And then I just kind of gush all over him. That's and that's my other thing. Is it's I, great hey, while we're gushing. You know man. what? I love you. I think you're the best thing ever. Bill Steer insults Swan Song. I know, right? He that was that it. was actually pretty crazy because I know how ah. I know how much you love that album. Ah. I thought that was probably the craziest thing was it was when he did that because he he he's such a humble dude, and you'll hear it in the interview is that he's, yeah I think I called him a guitar god like six times and, and he, he was like, just a, not comfortable with that. He, he's just a humble dude, man. Yeah. It's it's really really kind of interesting, especially as the pedestal that I put them on to hear that dude be that humble and to know what other dudes other guys how douchey they are about how good they are you know when you interview them and they think they are god's gift to everything metal and that this dude is and acts like he is nothing it's a, it's a, yeah. it's amazing it's, i don't want it's wanna, great to hear we do, obviously we don't want to give too much away because you got to hear this interview it's at the end of the show what, what are we doing the, the, on this week's show besides that what are you talking about i don't know uh, oh we're gonna play the new protest the hero awesome yes we're gonna play the new protest the hero this and week. another tune off of the new surgical steel by carcass mm-hmm. and, yeah. and and but uh this is uh absolutely I, I, I last week's interview with Phil Anselmo. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to it. It was, pretty good. It. It was, it was right, right? really, really good yeah. interview. Oh, thank you. All right, really, you did oh, an you know, awesome you know job. What, this but, is a, this is our first time uh, you and I interviewing one person together. Is that right? I think this is the first time that we've had an interview with the both of us doing it together. Oh, cool. Okay. That's that's the other thing is yeah. that, that's different about this one because we haven't had a chance for us to try to score one person and talk to him so that right. that will be another thing that's I'm uh, asking him about his houses and I'm asking him about real stuff <laughs> yeah. you know, you're trying to figure out hey do you got insurance yeah totally uh, yeah have you have you made sure you invested in uh, yeah, in your 401k you would let me ask that of odorous who insures the core live concert I know, experience right? no kidding <laughs> but we wanted to talk about uh, we wanted to talk about there's a lot of controversy that's happening right now with uh, with um, a bunch of different bands whether it's uh, Azalea Dying had a thing that that came up this week douches it was just really weird that yeah. their guitar player the, or we don't know who did it it's right. that's the weird thing is that somebody posted on their facebook page that there was a guitar for sale and their guitar player comes up and says wait that guitar is not for sale i don't know what you're talking about blah, blah 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 and it starts this kind of weird kind of controversy out in in the public but it's the first thing that we heard from uh Azalea dying since the last update uh tim lambesis posted on facebook or whatever yeah and just the news that their drummer's playing with some other band and yeah it, it. it had been yeah there was like nothing else out there yeah. and controversy controversies happen all the time the stuff with uh necrophobic the lead singer ne- necrophobic yeah might have sort of accidentally fallen upon his wife's face yeah whatever or somehow got uh, some kind of infection in his wife's eye however that may happen yeah. you know you got the pink eye or something <laughs> You know, whatever happened, but the, he's been accused. We're not saying he did. These, yeah. I, he may have been convicted. Who knows? Don't I know. don't know. I can't read Swedish. But but the thing is, is that these controversies are happening over and over and over again. And we see mm-hmm. a lot of it. And some people know how to address it and some people don't. And it's very weird how these bands employ managers, employ labels, employ all these other things. They have these people that are working for them. And they've got no idea how PR or marketing works at all like they just don't know how to do it because the first thing you do is fire off an angry email with a lot of f-bombs to the guys from metal sucks and tell them to take the take the stuff down off their website and forget to use spell check and don't and 
not think that they're not going to post that on the website? Yeah, it's like, dude. Well, whatever. of course. They, yeah. I mean, the necrophobic guy, he had to know that that's what was going to eventually happen. They're not going to take it down. But you know, take a story down just because you sent an email. Well, exactly. They're going to post your email. And they'll put a little line at the bottom that says updated. That's a, yeah. Even if they're wrong, it'll be there. It'll be the up, updated. Right. You know, we fixed it. How? We put this little link in there. Exactly. There you go. And it's still going to be out there. So how do you go about fixing these controversies? If you're if you're going to be holding them in publicly, everything is in public now. No now, matter what, it's out there. Now you remember a couple weeks ago, another brilliant interview that we had on this show was uh, uh, Axel and Vince had the interview with uh, uh, the God forbid dude, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. and he had li- he listens to our show the week before. I had like ranted and raved about how he had totally screwed up. Oh, quitting the band yeah 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 and yeah. he got on and he goes look i heard it the dude's right probably i don't know whatever he had a different perspective okay on it. so everybody everybody listen to me right now because once again i'm going to be right and i'm going to rant and rave <laughs> and everybody's going to have to sit there and go yeah yeah he probably was and it but this is it there's only one thing everybody making news in the metal world needs to do very very simple very simple you contact us and you come on this show because as you will hear in this bill steer interview we are absolutely brilliant at coming up with a great interview i love your confidence oh absolutely I love your confidence and and i'm telling you like we're not gonna we're not gonna softball it but we're gonna help you tell the story that you want to tell well, and, no, no, and no, 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 no. Yes, no, hold no, on. I'm not gonna, no, 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 no. Hold you, on. You can't even go there. You can't because I don't. You will not tell the story you want to tell. You're going to tell the story. You didn't let me finish. You tell the goddamn truth is what you're going to do. We're going to let them tell their story first, <laughs> and then we're going to tear it to shreds. No, I, I. But you know what I'm saying. We're going to. Sorry, I stomped on the punchline. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, right, <laughs> oh well, but, but still. We'll, but we'll do it while you're on the phone. I got no problem with you know t- telling you anything thing or whatever if we do it in person i'll tell you to your yeah, face yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. yes i'm sorry but probably going to barnes and noble and picking up an idiot's guide to how to kill your wife is not the best way <laughs> to get arrested for allegedly killing your wife you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so uh, i got no problem with that so this is the show you come on you can go on these other lame-ass podcasts that are out there and 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 it, you, nobody's gonna be satisfied with that you come on this show i promise you your fans your non-fans will come out satisfied satisfied that we got to the bottom of the story well the idea is is that if you have any kind of controversy whatsoever what do you do with it It, 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 if you if it's a tylenol recall if it's slime on the spinach or whatever what do you do with it you uh you confront it head on you you don't try to hide it don't try to cover it up. You don't, don't do try a, to play it out in the media. And you don't, don't do tr- a Facebook post. Oh exactly. my God, that's so 2010. You, exactly. You don't you don't try to control it yourself because you can't control a message yourself other than by getting the info like overloading the information on everything else. It's great if they come on our show because obviously because we are experts. This is the but, best solution. But you have to overload the media with your message. You're trying to get out there putting your message out. That's why when you see it all the time on the on the you know whatever 24 hour news channels when something goes wrong they've got some spokesman out there that is flooding the information out forward for whatever whatever group it is that's got the problem they're out there just doing interviews with everybody right because they want to flood that's the quote that they want to see move up the rails on cnn.com they want to see that they want to see that quote roll up 
and that's what I think our our genre just doesn't quite understand yet. Yeah, I, don't and I think, think they've that, gotten a grip on that. The great example of this is how, uh, as I lay dying, the rest of the guys have kind of failed. Now, obviously, Tim Lambesis can't come out and say anything because no, first he's, of all, he's in litigation. He's in litigation, and when he does put, put something on his tumbler, he ends up putting his hypothetical or his foot in his mouth. You yeah, know, yeah, and, yeah. Because everybody's reading into it. But the rest of the guys, there's well, no reason they can't come out and talk. They exactly. don't need to talk about Tim, but they need to come out and talk. And well, just say something. Yeah, I know. I think like Nick Other Hipp, than Nick Hippa our guitar is, is for sale. Well, <laughs> yeah, right. Well, Nick Hippa is you know he's a very he's a very well spoken dude. I mean, like he's a very good interview. I've interviewed him before, you know, years ago. But he's a really nice guy, and he's they should address the situation with the band. Yes, exactly. You know, not not it doesn't have to be about Tim. It just basically has to be about the band and speak about what's going on. And it's more more anything just to pacify your fans at this point because you're you're trying to keep them in a holding pattern because you just don't know where the band is going you don't know how it's going to play out and you just want to get that you want to keep them around you don't want to push them away so what you just did by this controversy that you have is start to shove people away and you need to bring them back in and part of bringing them back in is talking to them and getting that you know just quelling that controversy you know putting that fire out Mm -hmm. and if you're the necrophobic guy you know, writing an angry letter to Metal Sucks and the Metal Insider does not make you look like you're not the angry guy everybody thinks you are. Oh, great point. You know, I mean, it's it's like, look, I'm not I'm not angry. What do you mean? I would never hit anybody. That's crazy. I'm going to you sew about? your ass. I mean, I tell you what, you know, <laughs> that's not how you look yeah. like a normal average person that would not beat the crap out of your wife right you know so you gotta you gotta think about the way that stuff plays out and the way that it looks man so mm-hmm. and i just don't think that anybody in metal has got pr dudes right now and if they do they're not doing their job not or doing the their right job. Or, or, or this is it it's like the manager the pr people they don't trust the musicians to say what they need to say that's possible too i and i could see and i uh, i can i can kind of see the, some of that and that's a certain amount of that but i mean have you when is an occasion when there's been a new story when somebody's come out and said okay i'm willing to talk about it and they talk about it and they actually dig a deeper hole i don't i can't think of an example no, of that no I, and I think the doc coil thing was a really interesting exactly uh, i mean obviously he's a smart dude you know but still no i mean doc is a really smart guy but he's got his opinion on it and people wanted to know his thoughts exactly. if he would have just sat on that and not said anything about it then it, every kind of you know douchebags like us would make up every story under the sun about no what it was it had to be some kind of legal blah 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 or it could have been this or it could have been that and those could have been turned into realities to people in their minds because they think it or they hear half of that story and then they make up the rest of it they just fill in the holes it's a telephone game it's how it works and the fact is that you know we're, we're sitting here willing to talk to these people and we're going to get better at reaching yeah, out Yeah, actually, to them. that's our that's our responsibility. It's our responsibility. We, we got to start doing. But I'll tell you what: better. if you just beat up your wife and you're trying to make sure that not, I'm not saying this is the necrophobic guy, but I'm saying if you just beat up your wife, if, and, hypothetically, and you've just been arrested for it, and you want to control the story, feel free to instead of sending an angry <laughs> me to, a, a email to Metal Sucks, go, hey guys, uh, love to talk about something on the show. Do you think you could talk? Well, we'll send send we'll, an angry yeah. email to Metal Sucks, but just include that you. Want want to talk to the podcast yeah exactly you want to go on a podcast well another another one getting into protest the hero because remember right. remember the the, the uh, it's not a, like a faux controversy the thing that came up when they said that they were done recording their album that they were getting signed to a label that they were actually working that the 
how there were some fans that got all pissed off because they were getting signed to a label when it was supposed to be all independent and they did the Indiegogo thing and all that. That controversy was something that they addressed perfectly because they came right out in the open and said, boom, Mm -hmm. no, this is what we did. Here's how we did it. Here are the books. Here's where the money went. Here's what we spent it on. This is how this all rolled out. This is what we're going to do with it. And they uh, they just confronted it straight on. And it was really a great way to deal with something that could have got out of hand really easily. Absolutely. But, you know, the thing that Protest the Hero did that a lot of other bands don't do is that you know, it's just like anything. You know, if you want to be forgiven, you need to put out something awesome, and that's what they just did. This new song is oh my God. absolutely yeah. aw- best thing they've done. So right? you were not familiar with them I, before. I, I, right? I mean, I was familiar with them, but I never really like spent too much time with them. And then uh, I spent like this entire week listening to Carnival, mm-hmm. Iron Maiden. And protest the hero. Okay. Okay. And, All right. Oh man. I think I had a homoerotic weekend with the album Fortress at one point in, uh-huh. in my uh, listening in my listening career. I, I just I, I love the band. I think they're great. They're one of those bands that has taken a bunch of different genres and combined them into something new and fresh, and it just sounds that way. And and with this new album. Uh, you just sort of worried whether how this was going to turn out as a new adventure in the way that they were recording and what they were doing. But then you know that Chris Adler's on drums and all these other things that were involved with it. You're like, well, it can't be that bad. It's going to have to have some kind of awesomeness to it. And then you hear the new song and you're blown blown the hell away. I don't I care. Mean, it, signed, amazing, non, unsigned, crowdfunded, uncrowdfunded. I, I Whatever, dude. You know? It doesn't matter. The song uh, beats the band. Yeah, dude, so. it, it's like the hot chick who you know you dated and then she screws around on you and then she comes back and, and you're like, ah, okay, you know? But if she were ugly, you'd be like, yeah, no, I'm, uh, we're not doing that again. <laughs> you're looking for an excuse to get her out the door. Yeah. Nah, we've all been there. She hasn't gained any weight or anything. You're still <laughs> looking pretty good. All right, I like yeah. that. Yeah, that's right. Let's listen to the new Protest the Hero, dude. It's awesome. The song is called Clarity, and it's on the Metal Sucks podcast.
I just want to say that I believe we as a podcast are to uh, 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 podcasting as the new protest the hero is. <laughs> to, to what? To metal? Metal, yeah. We, so... Yeah, I think, I mean, they're kindred spirits in my mind. And I used to think that the reason that our show was going to be as great as it is was because of our ability to just talk with each other and really break topics down to what really matters. But I think what, what, what Bill Steer, this interview with Bill Steer demonstrates to me is that not only is this a phenomenal show because of our dialogue, but also because of our amazing interview ability. And, and <laughs> this I, is our first one that we did together. I know. And it's awesome. And it's not just because think about the challenge that we had. We got Bill Steer, the guy who's the most introverted guitar God That's on the true. list of a hundred. That, that is true. Like, and he still, we had the offer. We had the offer to do Jeff Walker or Bill Steer. And we and said, no, give us the challenge, well, man. Give no, us the no challenge. actually, what it was to me was that I knew everybody under the sun was going to talk to Jeff Walker. Yeah. Like, everybody, like, I knew that that, li- that list was filling up. And then the people that are going to talk to Bill Steer were going to be Guitar Magazine. And, yeah. you know, it's going to be it's going to be Gear Mags and stuff because that's who wants to talk to a dude like Bill Steer because he's not, he's never been the front man. He's never been yeah. that guy. He's never been out there. And I wanted to find out a little bit more about that dude. Yeah, I mean, I really did because I mean, I think I think Jeff had put some of that stuff out there and was a little more open with what happened in the '90s than this interview with Bill Steer is better than any interview with Jeff Walker. I'm swear to God. (laughs) Wow, swear to God. See, what you're doing is you're starting a new division in the band. We don't until we interview Jeff Walker. Then every interview that they've done is awesome and they're great. And don't just shh. <laughs> I don't want to do anything that Mike jinx the carcass going forward and doing a full U.S. tour and all that. I don't want to jinx yeah. anything yeah. or make anybody think about anything because everybody's awesome. You guys are great together. You look good. You're looking <laughs> great. Looking really good. Hey man, is that is that snakeskin? That's really cool. All right, that's a, is that a new jacket? Oh yeah. Oh no no no. I can't tell you dyed your hair. No dude. No no. You look great, man. Oh wonderful wonderful. No, we want to caress them. Yeah. And make sure that they keep making records. Napalm who? Yeah. <laughs> hey man, uh, napalm death, dude. Uh, no, you're th- I'm thinking of uh, Brujeria. Brujeria. Oh. Uh, so Good stuff. Shane Embry and then yeah. never mind. They're, anyway. they're, they're, they're all, everybody's connected. Anyway, this interview is is pretty pretty good. <laughs> I like it. I think you'll uh, I think you will enjoy. It. And if nothing else, you're going to love the new record. So check this interview out with uh, with Bill Steer. We had a chance, uh, what a couple weeks ago to to talk to him on a on a press junket, which is something that Carcass doesn't get to get to do a whole bunch of. Just like uh, uh, throw things at your booking agent when he comes up with ideas like that? No, that was a very random one. Um, I believe what happened was at the gates were the original headliner, and then they pulled out recently. So um, the promoters approached us about 10 days ago. It was really last minute. And 
Then they just got to work booking the flights and off we went. Yeah, and when I saw that bounce back on Facebook, I was like, oh man, so you guys just headed out for one gig and then had to come right back to the, uh, right back to it. It's not so much that because we have done it before, um, you know, flying a long way for one show. But um, the way it ended up working was we we had to get four different flights in order to get to the festival (laughs) and, and another four on the way back. So that was the exhausting bit, really. Shouldn't you have like homes in continents all over the world just for that sort of thing, possibly? I would love that. <laughs> yeah. It'd be like Sting, you know? You just got, you know, you can only tour for so many weeks and you got to stop because otherwise you get hit with tax ramifications for that particular country. You know, stuff yeah, like that. That'd be good. I think, I think we're some way off uh, reaching that status, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> Well, Bill, we want to welcome you to the uh, to the Metal Sucks podcast. Uh, we we definitely wanted to get you on and talk to you about uh, about all the stuff that's been going on with uh, you guys because you know we're 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 fans like old school fans. Bill, I stood at a tiny, awful little club in Detroit, Michigan, waiting for you guys making your U.S. debut, and you had a uh, 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 visa problems, and so I had I had to suffer through death and pestilence instead, doing longer sets. It was it was truly horrid. Wow, <laughs> what year is that? Eighty seven or eighty eight, something like that. Goodness, well, the first time we toured the U.S. was nineteen ninety. Okay, um, so ninety, maybe. All right. Yeah, and we we did actually we did a a full U.S. tour with death and pestilence. So I, I can't think. Which show that would have been? I mean, from what you're telling me, it sounds like we weren't able to play or something. Yeah, was it, yeah, it was like it was like the first date or the second date of that tour, and just the rumor that's, was. It's really that, weird though, because I mean, as far as I remember, we played every date on the tour. I think there was maybe a couple missing in the middle because Ken uh, had to go back to the UK for something. Yeah, I think I think it was the first. Well, anyway, it's all good. We only got you 20 minutes. I was going to say, then, 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 <laughs> well, then again, it was 25 years ago, so <laughs> totally. yeah, it, it's been a few things have happened since then, right? Yeah, quite a lot. <laughs> Is this kind of uh, running this gauntlet? Is this uh, eerily familiar for you, but at the same time, um, kind of odd? You know, coming back to do all, doing all this, the press junkets, and and uh, with a new album coming out. It isn't actually that familiar because there was just never this level of of uh, press attention for this kind of music. So, of course, we did interviews here and there, but it would it would tend to be fanzines and stuff like that, and then occasionally you might have a a piece in a magazine or something, but that, that would be a very rare occasion the way I remember it anyway. So yeah, coming back this time around, it just feels like, I don't know, metal has properly become an industry. It's just a bigger thing and it's much more efficient, I guess. So that's why we're just having to do way more interviews than we would ever expected. <laughs> do you prefer that it's a little more organized now or is, is it a pain in the ass? I would say both actually. I mean, you know, it's good to be busy. You know, I'd rather be doing something connected with the band than, than not. At times, yeah, maybe, the, you know, there's elements to it which are, I don't know, they almost make you wish, you know, for the old days or something. Yeah, like <laughs> Columbia. <Which is> very <laughs> odd. <laughs> well, not yeah, not those old days. <laughs> the extreme metal scene is not nearly as underground as it used to be. You know, even in the 90s, it's, it's, it's not even close to as underground as it used to be. Everybody's shining a light on it now these days. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that I wouldn't really want to um, complain about too much because it's just natural. You know, if a new genre of music comes along, it's dangerous initially, but that can't last forever. It, it will get assimilated into the mainstream to some degree. Um, and, you know, we, we've seen that with, you know, whatever, you know, stuff like 
that new metal kind of eruption that happened a few years back and mm. emo and so forth. Sooner or later, underground music does hit the mainstream and, and you can't really avoid that. I mean, it is all just music at the end of the day, so I wouldn't want to be too puritanical about it. Now, when you called it off in 95, the thing we always hear is that part of it was that you were kind of pissed off at the industry in general. Uh, is is the industry the same now or is it different? And is that true? Um, well, firstly, it's not strictly true because it's one. that's one of many kind of internet rumors that isn't really based on anything. Mm. It's like a 10th generation version of hearsay. I mean, all of us were, were bitter around the time of the breakup of the band, but that was for a whole number of reasons. The, in all honesty, the band was finished anyway because of internal problems, you know, whether it was musical or personal. And the Columbia thing was just one more problem that, that made us grind to a halt. I mean, in a way, I think Jeff, Jeff's kind of a better person to talk about this stuff because he, he's more kind of uh, almost more business-minded than I am. So he's had more direct dealings with the industry all the way along. Um, he's more the public face of Carcass. Uh, he has involvement in those decisions to a degree that I don't. So you're the um, you're on the list so, of top 100 greatest guitarists of all time, and you're not allowed to be the public face of the band. <laughs> it's it's just well, it's, you, you should no, get I mean, more singing. Just, that's what we're comfortable with, really, because um, he's a front man, he's the lyricist, the the main vocalist, and he makes a lot of the the sort of public decisions, whether it's um, with regard to you know the kind of shows we're doing or um, just general business decisions. Um, since we came back, there has been no manager, so that it's been Jeff all the way with that stuff. Um, I mean, needless to say, we're involved in those decisions, but he's the person who's got that extra bit of energy to get on the phone and shout at somebody or, or, or be abrasive in an email, whereas <laughs> Dan Wilding or myself aren't really capable of doing that stuff to be honest with you well there's always somebody in the band that has got to pick up those roles right <laughs> you got somebody that's got to keep everything going and and sort of organize and keep on everybody so yeah i, I, I mean I to be that. honest jeff has always been that guy because even in the 90s when we did have a manager jeff was very hands-on with him too because martin didn't necessarily um have a lot of experience in management you know he'd just come from working with earache records to doing this so Jeff got very much involved. Um, you know, he was on the phone to him on a daily basis. Yeah, I mean, I, I think creatively you have to look at Carcass, especially these days, as being kind of a two-headed monster. I bring in a lot of riffs, and that's a, a factor in the sound of the band. But uh, there's a whole load of other stuff that Jeff does that, that really, uh, I don't know, puts that extra Carcass stamp on it, I guess. Do you th are you meaning musically or just in general, like the, some of the decisions as far as because I'm looking at the the packaging and all the stuff that you have coming with this new album, and I mean somebody's got to make those decisions as well. And there's about a thousand different things that you guys have going for this record. Yeah, yeah, that would definitely be Jeff's territory. Um, yeah, he's always been the main person with regards to sleeves. I mean, naturally, he came to us once he. would you know, worked with Ian Tilton, the photographer, and showed us some different shots for this sleeve. And it was relatively pain-free because everybody agreed which shot was the best one. So so that little meeting was over in about five minutes. <laughs> but, um, you know, as, going back to your question, yeah, that side of the band is very much him. And um, musically, I think probably what some people don't 
realizes how much involvement he has in terms of the arrangements because um, I might bring in the, the skeleton of a song, um, but the transformation it goes under um, once he's involved is, is massive. How is that writing process different in 2011, 2012, 2013 versus uh, the early 90s? Has it changed between the two of you? I would say very little, actually. The way we went about making this record was was almost exactly the same. It just involved going into the rehearsal room with a bunch of riffs and and crafting songs. There can be no real time limits on that. You, you could have something completely nailed within one rehearsal, or there could be something that, that two weeks later you're still having trouble finishing. If you, if you just let nature take its course, then the song kind of writes itself after a certain point. Were any of these riffs like older than since 2007? Yeah, loads. God, um, I had a whole ton of riffs actually from from the 90s that i'd kept with me all these years so some of those you can hear on the record um there's also things that i guess i'd come up with along the way in between the uh the breakup of carcass originally and and now um and then there was even more stuff that just came out during the writing process in the rehearsal room because there was just a very energetic vibe there was loads of momentum so the ideas were just pouring out I'm almost surprised to hear that, you know, that, you know, Carcass is over and you sit down with your guitar and you just can't stop yourself from writing Carcass riffs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, as, as people or some people will be aware, I did my very best to, to get away from that entire world. Um, not just Carcass, but just the extreme metal world. So for, for, yeah, a good chunk of time, I was, I was playing a very different style of music. But yeah, from time to time, I'd find myself playing something that sounded like Carcass, and um, if it was really good, I'd just file it away, you know, for you know, for a rainy day or whatever it might be. <laughs> Did you find that other style of music more satisfying than what you were doing with Carcass uh, previously? Or? Yeah, why no harmonica on the new Carcass record? <laughs> well, I mean, I wouldn't even want to compare the two because going back to my mantra of, of the last few years, it's all music. Um, and different kinds of music satisfied different parts of you. Really, w- what I was I was doing was uh, just exploring because obviously things had ended in rather unpleasant fashion with Carcass, and um, I was still very passionate about music. But I really just wanted to escape from from that extreme metal world because um, it, it really felt like what we were doing wasn't welcome. Um, you know, hard work hadn't done particularly well. Um, we'd broken up before Swan Song was even released, but I think we all knew it wasn't really the ideal Carcass record. So yeah, I, I don't know. I guess it was just the way I felt at the time was just get away. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Bill, I'm picking myself up off the floor after you're insulting one of the greatest metal records of all time, <laughs> and you wrote it. It's kind of it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's an amazing oh, cool. record. I'm glad you like it, but I mean. <laughs> I've got fondness for some of it because I think there were some great moments on the record. Um, I think I would be a little bit prejudiced, and so would Jeff, simply because of the atmosphere during those sessions. You know, it, it wasn't really great. We, we were very conscious of what was happening in metal at the time, and the whole thing was taking a direction that, that didn't correspond with, with our vision. So, yeah, we, we were just very aware of the fact that the record we were making was was completely wrong for the time 
but every now and then I hear something off, off that LP and I, I actually quite enjoy it. So what direction did you feel metal was taking around that time? Uh, that was so different than what you guys were doing or the, where you guys were at as a band. Well, in our little, uh, whatever you want to call it, cluster of bands, um, you know, our peer group, or whatever, one band that was doing extremely well was Fear Factory. Mm. And um, nothing against them personally, because we were all friends and, and we really admired what they were doing because basically they were bringing forth a new style of music. But it was just something that we could see taking off while our stuff was somehow becoming less popular. Um, I think we did two US tours in the final year or two, and it was just hard to escape. The The attendances were dropping drastically. You could actually feel it in the air. The stuff we were playing was just wrong um, for, for that audience in that time. It's it's really cool now because now the records seem to have found an audience. Heartworking particularly, I don't know, it just for some reason now it's it's a lot more accepted. And I think that's cool, but um, it definitely felt like a failure at the time. Well, do you think it also had anything to do with the way you guys were, well, like you said about the Swans on Sessions and how you guys felt as a band? I mean, was that all, was that kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy kind of thing? Did you feel that or? I, I guess around that period, you're seeing that, you know, the first stirrings of, of new metal and, uh, yeah, I guess it's safe to say that nobody in our band could really relate to it. Just, I don't know. After, after doing some pretty extreme stuff at, at the beginning of our so-called career, we later realized we were actually deep down quite conservative about music because I, I wasn't particularly interested in bringing in hip-hop influences, having a turntablist, uh, referencing industrial music. That was all the stuff that was getting excitement and media attention at the time. I think the metal world would like to collectively say thank you. Yeah, I was just going to say thank you for <laughs> not doing any of that. <laughs> and, whew, I couldn't imagine an industrial and or hip-hop carcass album. I, I, I feel like doing. I just dodged a desk, you know? jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, so up to now, though, <clears throat> you said you had some of those riffs that, were, that we find on Surgical Steel. Uh, what makes it different and what's so different now coming back to it? I mean, we talked about a little bit about, you know, metal is in a different spot now. It's a little more, got more of a spotlight on it. But you guys seem to be writing great material that's reflective of what you've done before, but still advancing metal. Do you feel like uh, it finally caught up to you guys? <laughs> well, that's a very, it's a very flattering way of putting it. Yeah, I think what you said earlier, that's kind of how we look at the record. Um, we're drawing from the same of influences that we always drew from in all honesty um because none of us actively keep up with with what's happening right now in metal i mean of course we hear bits and pieces when we're out and about that's natural but in terms of the stuff that directly inspires us it's really old school metal all the way and that that could be anything from you know the new wave of british heavy metal to stuff like merciful fate and king diamond of course, the, the early death metal bands like Death and Repulsion, there's a whole load of stuff. But outside of that, I don't think anything's broken through to, to actually changing how we, we do our music. One of our friends kind of put it put it best. It fits right in between or feels like it fits right in between necroticism and heartwork. Like it lands sound wise. Yeah, sonically, it, it kind of lands in there, but it's got something different to it. It straddles it right up into the future at the same time. Somehow it's it's just an amazing record. Yeah, well, 
we we definitely didn't want to cripple ourselves looking backwards, you know, because um, I have heard of bands doing that, sitting down with their old CDs and trying to replicate things. I mean, mm, trying to mimic to me, it. That, that's yeah. that's really going to go nowhere. Um, so, yeah, of course, it, it's the same. It's the same stuff musically, more or less, that's turning us on as musicians. But uh, you know, when we were doing old records, you know. We didn't go about necroticism by listening to symphonies of sickness. Quite the opposite. You know, we're trying to look forward, and that's exactly the, the mindset we're in with this. Bill, what, uh, I, to sort of go back, what, did you like teach third grade or something in those years? <laughs> what did you do? I, I mean, was, was it. which years? Yeah, after 95, between 95 and 2007. I mean, I know you're doing Firebird and stuff, but mm. what, do you, what do you do as a, as a guitar god? Do you give private lessons, or what do you do? <laughs> no, I just just uh, took a job, one job after another. You know, I don't really have any qualifications to speak of. Yeah, you must have like the world's coolest resume. Uh, <laughs> well, n- not really, because you know, I was just you know trying to get any kind of low commitment job that would enable me to do my music thing on the side. So yeah, I mean, I couldn't count the number of different things I'd done over the years. Nothing along the lines of teaching. I never even tried that. <laughs> do you like tell them who you are in the interview or how does that work? I mean, do they have any idea who you are? Oh, no. I mean, the name Carcass is, is meaningless to your average person in the UK, obviously. You know, it's not a well-known group even amongst the metal fraternity, really. No. Because oh. a lot's happened since then. Oh, uh, that's a no. Any, come on. They should be smacked. <laughs> I'm not buying that one. That, yeah, the, yeah, that no. one, uh, I think everybody in metal knows Carcass by now. But did you had that sort of uh, you know when when it was when it was all over in '95? Was that something that sort of occurred to you, like oh, I got to figure out what I got to do next, or did you have some time before that, or what? What did you do? Oh God, let me think now. I just wanted to keep playing, but as I said, I fancied being in a completely dis- different sphere because. You'd suddenly have a clean slate, or at least that would be the idea, you know, that you wouldn't have all this baggage from the past and people judging you. Because at that stage in my life, I was very focused on the negatives. I'm sure there were nice people saying good things to us, but that was just being unnoticed. Um, the stuff that stuck with me was all the negativity. So I thought maybe I could just avoid all that for a few years and do something different. Did you find like metal chicks that would put you up for, you know, a few months and, you know, and pay your room and board? I mean, I mean, that was, that would have been my plan, I guess, you know? (laughs) Oh God. No, no. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Nothing's that simple, Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Have you married kids, anything like that? Um, No. Well, no, I I was married at one time, um, but not any longer. Um, And no, didn't have any children. Does she look anything like Jeff? (laughs) <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I mean, no, we, we're still on very good terms. I mean, we, we broke up years ago, but, um, yeah, we're still, yeah, we still get along very well. So yeah, Jeff, as much as I like the guy, he's never really been my type. <laughs> <laughs> so do you find, um, uh, see that now I'm thinking about Jeff and I'm, I'm like, Oh no, no, don't, don't do that. No, I just don't need to, I don't need to even go there. So you guys, uh, I think you got a completely different atmosphere. Hopefully all those negative thoughts and stuff are, are gone now. Did you feel that when you guys got back together in 2007 and started touring a little bit again and, and go, wow, all these people are, are ready for this? Yeah. I mean, that, that was just the, the first step really getting out there and playing shows and, and being around the whole thing again. 
I think the others the others had done plenty of that. Obviously, Michael and Daniel had with Arch Enemy, um, and Jeff had two with Brujeria. So it was really just just me. I, I was the the new one as far as that that festival world because there were no large extreme metal festivals in the original period of Carcass. So uh, getting on stage and playing to however many people, say thirty thousand or something in France, really really weird for me initially. It, it took a a few goes for, for me to kind of get used to it. Yeah, there's not much about France that's redeeming, even with 30,000 people. <laughs> oh, God. I, I love France, but, you know, it's kind of, it can be a little bit odd, especially coming from the UK, because, um, you know, there's this ancient rivalry, um, which just doesn't seem to go away. Bill, thank you very much for all your time, man. It's been just incredible to uh, speak with I, you. No worries. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Uh, definitely. And the new record is uh, is Surgical, Surgical Steel's coming out mid-September, uh, mid, uh, uh, September 17th. And yeah, you guys did an amazing job with it. It really is. A pr- it's an incredible record. And and to hear you doing that sort of like Brian May-like intro to the whole album, I thought I was going to cry uh. like a little girl. It was so good. <laughs> I mean, because that's the thing is that we were talking about this before we were going to talk to you and and we're we're about to hit 40. Those albums hit right when we were high school, our, our first, <laughs> like right at those times when we were listening to music. So, yeah. yeah it was, our very first conversation, Chuck and I, was about how incredibly awesome Carcass is. Actually, I think it was. And it was right after you guys had done the tour. And that was our very first conversation. In fact, I think I was raving about how great Carcass was to a bunch of people who have no interest in metal whatsoever. I just got carried away. And they said, you got to talk to Chuck. <laughs> and here we are. And then here we are. So thank you for that as well. That's great. Well, I'm glad we brought you together. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, we've taken way too much of your time already today, man. We appreciate it and uh, look forward to getting that new record out. And uh, hopefully you will be doing more than five dates on your North American tour. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just to clear that up, that is not even an attempt at a tour. That I is know, just a uh, handful of gigs to actually kind of make it clear there's a record out. But yeah. we're intending to do a full scale North American tour early next year. Um so yeah, I, I gather some people became kind of irate about that, not realizing that this is not the tour. This is this is just a little rash of very small club gigs before we do the thing properly. Well, when I saw that it was sold out after about uh, thirty seconds of it going on sale for all those shows, I kind of figured that there might be a follow up to it. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, you know it's it's a massive country, isn't it? And in, in order to do it right, you have to put the time in you know yeah right so, yeah so this is this is just a, a little taster really before we do this properly bill can i ask real quick is there like a plan so that way when you know when, you, that you can either ride carcass right up until everybody's dropping or that you can at some point have those homes on all the different uh, continents rather than you know <laughs> having to go do you know little jobs here and there again i mean is there a, a way to kind of make sure that doesn't happen god knows um Time will tell, you know, I mean, I think the music life is just random and, you know, you just have to bear that in mind when you get involved. Um, but it's not to say you shouldn't try and, uh, I'm renting right now. <laughs> Maybe one day I'll have a little apartment of my own. I have no idea. Right. We didn't even really get into the whole nuclear blast thing and, uh, getting signed to a new, uh, different label and all that. Uh, so, I mean, it's, did you guys finance this album on your own? Did you guys put this together and then, and then shop it around or, uh, yeah, 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 we did. We we were quite adamant about that, that we had to do the whole thing ourselves without any kind of outside interference. We just wanted to be able to slap a finished product on the table and say, okay, who's interested? 
because at that point it's done and nobody else, no outsider can have any attempt at, at input. Because we, we, as I said, we wanted to do this the way we always did records. And I know things have changed a bit, in, in the, especially in the metal world. And some labels do tend to, to interfere a little. Um, and we just wanted to avoid that. Did you like set up any uh, like goofy things like uh, that the labels had to do to to sign you? You know, like you know, send them off. You know, do like a practical joke where you send them off to like the Carcass Castle, and <laughs> you know they ring the doorbell and there's nobody there. They don't know who you are. Well, you know, like, you know we should we should have actually tested them out a bit actually yeah. because I think some of the offers coming through were from people who'd been told they ought to throw an offer on the table, but I don't even know if they fully understood what the band is or what the, the sort of history of the group is. That's the reason why we went with Nuclear Blast, to be honest with you. Yeah. Because Cause they got a 401k matching program for your retirement? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> but uh, I think they were just a lot keener than anybody else to do it, you know. That's what it came down to. Well, they're metal fans. I mean, they're, 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 that, that label is definitely filled with people that are, are fans of metal, and they know what they're getting into. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Jeff's been very good friends with Gerardo, one of the main guys in in the States, and Marcus Steiger, the guy who actually started Nuclear Bast in Germany. I mean, we've known that guy since, I guess, around 1990. Um, so he's always been there. It was really, it was kind of a one-horse race, even though we did have a number of other offers. There was just nothing that competed, really. And I'm not just talking financially. I'm talking about how how keen they were to take the record and actually do something with it mm-hmm. and also allow us to keep Japan separate because we already have a very good relationship with, with an old friend of ours and his label in Japan. Um, some, some people just wouldn't even entertain that idea. They just wanted the world flat out. And, uh, so, you know, that was the end of the discussion for us. It's going to be, I think it's going to do really well for you guys, man, especially once well, people get a, we'll get a good I mean, taste you know, of it. I don't think we're going into this with any expectations in that way because, you know, it's not a great time for record sales. True. Um, you know, nobody makes money off a record anymore unless they're absolutely huge. So it was more like something we wanted to do. It was a, it was a fun challenge. And without wanting to sound like a really pretentious wanker, almost like an artistic statement about where, I don't know, how we feel about metal because... You know, it, it's kind of gone off in a whole load of different direc- directions. There's a load of subgenres, and not all of it. You know, for for old fellas like us, not all of it is easy easy to relate to. True. So it was just our little contribution to what we think metal should be like right now. Yeah, you guys have made a little bit of hay about that on Facebook. I've, I've seen. Do you, do you guys actually update your Facebook, or is that somebody doing that for you? <laughs> um, that's Jeff entirely. Is it Jeff? Yeah. Okay, because I've been seeing him dogging on the uh, illegal downloading and stuff on uh, on the Facebook page quite a bit. But with his tongue in his cheek as usual. Right? I know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that would definitely be tongue-in-cheek, because I don't think anybody was particularly offended when the leak happened. I mean, it wasn't a case of if, it was when. Yeah, we're just realists about this stuff. Even as a radio guy, I went and spent 70 bucks on the special edition and everything else, too, so that I could have a copy of it as well. So, uh, wow. I, oh, hey, man, thank you. I, <laughs> I, want, I seriously, that's that, that's that's yeah, that's where I'm at with this. So, 
and then I then I heard the record and was like, I'm I'm in. Yeah, I cannot wait. It's uh, I can't wait till everybody else gets to hear it and get and gets everything out. I think they're going to be pleasantly surprised. Pleasantly by, by surprised. I think they're going to be on the floor weeping like I was. <laughs> <laughs> How great it is! Well, fingers crossed, eh? All yeah. right. Well, we got to stop kissing your ass. All right, we yeah. got we, we to let you go, man. Bill, thank you very much for uh, guesting on the on the podcast today. Absolute yeah, we, honor. We, we definitely appreciate your time, and, and it's been an honor. Well, well, thank you.
best metal record of the century. I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to I know we're only 13 years into the century, but but it's the best metal record of the century. It honestly is, man. Surgical Steel is the new album from Carcass, the song called Unfit for Human Consumption and it's the best song on the record. I know that's saying a lot and I know you and I kind of disagree with that a little bit, but but man, it's I mean it, oh, diddly, 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 oh, oh, it, oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. Dude, you so know what, good. You know what that 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 riff is is funny. Like during the interview we're talking to to Bill and we're like, "Oh, so tell us when you like wrote that, you know, these riffs yeah, yeah, and blah, yeah. blah blah blah." Like that riff is sort of like you know that chick that you follow on the porn sites you know like i don't want to know too much about her history <laughs> I, you know what i mean i just want to know that she's at least 18 years old yeah, that's that's all go. that matters done you know? and done yeah, and that riff is for me that riff is probably at least it's, 18 <laughs> it could probably man because i mean there, there you can tell some of the songs that are on this new record that were directly out of heartwork time like there's a a couple riffs that are like straight off into necroticism Mm -hmm. i know it's crazy man my only concern is does he still have some of those old tapes because they gotta they gotta put out another one man i need another album this is so good don't worry don't worry man be nice to him remember remember hey everybody be nice Next week, okay, so next week we need to talk about this. I want to make bumper stickers that say that. Because I want, because <laughs> you heard in the interview, see, this whole show is us talking about the interview yeah. we did that, that we just heard. Which is so great. I'm so, did I, I mention am, that? I am completely, completely infatuated with the carcass right now. <laughs> I can't help it. I can't, I really can't help it. I, look, if, if you're sitting there and you're listening to us talk and you're listening to us talk to Bill Steer and you're like, I don't understand why these guys are ranting so much about this album. There's one reason why, and that is because you have have not yet heard the new carcass album and it is up for streaming too you can listen to it right now yes go listen i'm pissed oh uh at, at uh, nuclear blast why i am i'm pretty pissed i paid 70 dollars. right i bought the pre-order this the, the, the box set and all that stuff delayed oh. i'm not gonna get it till the end of the month i'm not gonna oh. get it till at least two to three weeks after the album is already out oh. Like, but we'll give you a download card. I'm like, dude, I already got it. Yeah, well, you like, got it. I pirated it before. What are you talking about? Everybody got it, man. It was out there. You even <laughs> talked about that. It leaked. Dude, buy so, this album because these guys need to like make another one and stuff. Actually, buy the album because we want to make sure that they go on tour. Yeah, that too. That, that's the only reason. That too. You know, I, that's all I want is I want to make sure they do a full U.S. tour and we get got it a done. big show plan for next week. What's next week? Well, you got the interview with uh, Isle Le- Levy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's uh, uh, Axel. Does that? Hope so. And <laughs> but we're also going to have Axel and Vince on the show next week. Are we? Because we're going to talk about how many copies of Surgical Steel are going to sell in its first week. <laughs> are we, seriously, are we? This is how bad we are right now. Oh, we are totally. so homers. <laughs> See, this is what I'm afraid of. This is the, honestly the thing that I'm afraid of with this new record. Welcome that, to the new that, Carcass Podcast. That's what I'm saying. It's like the, it's the two of us, just homers for this band, and nobody else is going to see what we see in it. Oh, everybody's got to see it. It's think so? As plain as can be. We're not just homers, right? No, dude, did you hear that riff? I did you hear I'm that just, riff? Dude, I'm just I'm floating out there. I want to I want a full disclosure that 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 I'm totally gay for this band. That riff is like <laughs> I'm just that saying. riff. If you were to do like a, a like a search on one of those aggregators for that riff, that shows up in the like uh, babe category as well as the milf category at the same time. Oh, That's how you. hot that riff is. Yeah, I got you. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. Now next week will be good. 
Uh, but but we get we can't talk about carcass every single week. <laughs> we'll all bring right. all right. We'll play next week. We're going to play the entire album. We're not going to talk anymore, which probably would please uh, a lot of people on the comment section. Uh, we're just going to play the, for the dudes, except for those dudes who come into our defense. And that I one, yeah, that one guy. That okay. one guy. Love right. him. Love Rock. him. Love yeah. Him. Hell yeah. Well, you can get us every Monday on uh, on MetalSucks.net, and uh, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search the Metal Sucks podcast on iTunes or search it in Google. You will find it. Uh, make sure you subscribe. It'll come right to your iTunes and or uh, device that you have in your hand so that you can uh, take us with you wherever the fuck you go. It'll Listenership is booming yeah because we are awesome yeah. it's true mm-hmm. or at least you think so I don't, I, me i don't I, i'm not so confident just yet plus you can also hear us on uh, 93.3 kgsr hd3 which is um, no control radio on sunday nights at 10 p.m we broadcast live in the city of austin thank you guys for listening thanks to uh, bill steer for uh, being our guest this week thank you i am chickity chuck godless and this has been the metal sucks podcast no, I'll be lost.